Steve Jobs once said, we're here to put a dent in the universe. Well, FinTech has certainly put a dent in the financial services industry over the past few years. This podcast series focuses on the story of those individuals who took Jobs' advice, the dent makers, if you will. This is the FinTech Five. There's an old saying that goes, never meet your heroes, meaning you realize that they're just real people with real flaws, real hangups, and maybe sometimes simply not that nice of a person. Thankfully, Brian Solis is as nice and fun to speak with as I imagined he would be. I've been stalking, I I mean uh, following, Brian for almost 10 years now, ever since he developed the Conversation Prism, a visual map of the social media landscape. I, along with any other speaker who talks about social media, have used this visualization multiple times over the past years. In this episode, we cover a plethora of topics, including how Brian's career kicked off, how he introduced the actor Ashton Kutcher to tech investment, and our shared hatred of paywalls. Believe it or not, I'm actually already recording. I'm sure you're used to this by now. <laughs> no, you got your shit together. That's, uh, you that's, know, you, that's great. You've done enough of these. You're, you're used to it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm, I was laughing. I was trying to figure out the best way to describe you. And um, I know it's, it's, you're already on the phone, so that kind of puts me under a little bit of pressure. But I, I think I'm going to give this a whirl, right? So you're, okay. an, you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a blogger, you're a vlogger. You're a digital analyst. You're a company and conference founder. Did I miss anything in there? Uh, no, it's all good, man. I'll, I'll, I think that'll, that's enough uh, what people need to hear anyway. My, my, I think my favorite description of you, though, that, that I've, I've heard you use a couple of times, is you've called yourself a digital anthropologist, and I love yes. that description. Can you give me your definition of what that means? Well... I'll give you I'll give you a quick backstory and then the definition. The backstory is this: I used to debate with a very famous tech person, uh, who used to say that uh, technology changes people don't, uh, and I used to think you know there that there can't that can't be true, uh, and so uh, as an analyst who studies disruptive technology, you know you you learn about its impact on business, uh, but as a digital anthropologist, I, you know I had to understand or I, I set out to understand what's its impact on people and more so it's, it's, it's impact on culture and norms and society and values and belief systems and behaviors and patterns and expectations. And uh, all of those things, you know, you just can't get by studying technology, but when you observe and when you document and you report how people live and you, and you, and you, and you monitor this over time, uh, at the same time, it wasn't just anthropology. I also uh, indulged in sociology, ethnography, uh, as, a, as a means of better understanding how people are changing and why. Uh, and, and then to reverse engineer all of that uh, for all of my work. So, yeah, I mean, we are evolving as a, as a species because of technology. I mean, I, I, I have kids. I have four of them. I see this all the time in the way they interact and their, and their behavior that, that they have. Oh, absolutely, uh, and, and like that's the thing too is that it, it, whether we're analysts or we're teachers or we're parents, it's like it, it, it only helps all of us to better understand how people are changing, so that we don't. Because you know what, you know what ends up happening in the real world is we we tend to dictate 
how people should behave based on our own standards, based on how our, our perspective of life should be. Uh, and that's just not the way it is anymore. And people just want to understand that you understand them. Uh, and this is what's playing out in politics. This is what's playing out in, in just every facet of life. So uh, as a digital anthropologist, uh, it gets me a little bit closer to empathy, which I think is something that we can all benefit from. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, um, you, you've got a great digital footprint that really kicks off, you know, in, in the mid-90s and works its way up. But I'm curious a little bit more about you. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in San Francisco? I grew up in uh, Los Angeles, actually, uh, where I am right now as we speak. Uh, and I moved to Silicon Valley in 1996. Uh, I, had, uh, I grew up as a programmer. Uh, and felt like I was going to be in the technology business. And in 1996, there wasn't really that much of a, a technology scene in Los Angeles. I mean, it, you know, Web 1.0 was really starting to kick off, and it was really all about entertainment in, in Los Angeles. But I wanted to be a hardcore geek, and I moved to the Valley uh, um, early on and never left. So now I finally understand why you came up with that idea for Reality Magazine back when what, you were 23. So, I think I know your source of all of this stuff. So I was, I was uh, cause, because that has me listed at twenty three. I was nineteen uh, when I started it, uh, and I and I closed it when I was twenty two. Oh, that's well. You know, that's all right. That's a better run than some of the tech companies that are getting a lot of found, uh, funding right now. <laughs> that was all uh, pre pre funding. Did that all uh, self funded, and was, that was actually a really. At the time, you know, I was I was young, but in hindsight, that was a real good experience. Uh, now, uh, yeah, I would completely agree. Your your work then, when you went to FutureWorks, do you kind of consider that the the pivotal point in your career for you taking off and who you are? No, that's just like one of life's many many curveballs uh, where you 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 think you you have your master plan figured out, and then you do something else and. I started in technology as a database programmer and an architect. Uh, I was young, uh, but I was working for a company that was essentially a a marketing uh, firm for technology companies. And at the time, that was uh, all hardware. And I I, I used to listen to these creatives talk about how they should market networking technology and what have you. And I thought, yeah. You know, you guys don't understand technologists. You guys talking like marketers. This is not how we think. You know, I think if, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to be better at, at creative and design and, and 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 messaging and branding, you got to get inside the head of of the, of the people you're trying to sell to. And uh, I used to tell this all the time to the president. who used to just he used to he would listen because he was just a, he was a gentleman and a very good very good person. And one day he said, if you think you know better, you should try it. Uh, and so I did. Uh, and a lot of those campaigns worked really, really well. And FutureWorks was the idea that I could start my own company, you know, after saving you a couple of years of, of, of story there, that I, I felt like I could start my own company dedicated to experimenting with the future of digital marketing uh, based on a lot of experiments that I was running at the time. And a lot of that turned out to be what the what today's digital marketing landscape is based on uh, all of that learning because FutureWorks was a very interesting, successful experiment of which I shared everything I was learning online as a way of sort of creating a rising tide. Now, I'm going to date you a little bit, and we're close to the same age, by the way, without telling anybody our age. Um, what programming language were you a database architect for? Uh, well, so the first language is so that we could really date ourselves, uh, aside from basic, were Fortran and COBOL. Oh, wow. You could still work for a bank? 
Well, we'll move right by that one um, so I don't get in trouble. Um, I'll say one of the things you do that I thoroughly enjoy, I'm an avid reader. And so you've published, I think, what, seven books now, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, yes, sir. In your first book, I think you helped co-write back in around 2007. So if I did the math right, you're averaging about a book every year and a half. So doing math is, uh, is good. Uh, you'll, you'll start to see that, uh, that the later it gets, the, the longer it takes. So uh, the, my new book, X, took three and a half years to develop. Um, and that book came out in October 2015. Uh, and I tell you, it's probably going to be in a, about another year and a half before you see another book from me. So uh, they're, they're slowing down. It gets, it's get, it gets harder and harder, don't you think? I mean, uh, not just to sit and write, uh, but technology is, is, is pervasive. Uh, you have apps, you have notifications, you have just everything is pulling you in a, a thousand different directions. And the ability to sit and research and write uh, the way I used to is, is increasingly difficult. Well, not only that, but even the, the method or, or, or that final product, the, your latest book, and I, heard, I think I heard you say this in an interview, you designed it like an app. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, the irony of writing a book about designing experiences for a digital economy uh, was not lost on me. Uh, and I thought that the best, the best way for the book to have meaning was for me to actually apply what the book tells you. And that is, if you're trying to get inside the mind of, like let's say today's digital bank customers or banking customers or retail banking customers all around the world, you have this pre-existing concept of who the customer is and how they behave and how they would interact with money. But then there's the reality of how that's changing. And so I, I got in the mind of people like, hey, what is when you use Tinder, what does that do to your brain? When you use Uber, when you use uh, your, your Facebook, when you use your favorite apps, you know, what 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 does that do to you when you're trying to consume content? Uh, and this is why you have you know, sites like BuzzFeed and uh, basically trying to compete for your attention using animated GIFs and uh, various storytelling techniques. And I just wanted to see if I could take insight from that to apply those principles to paper. You know, why does a book have to be a book? Why couldn't we question what a table of contents is and, and try to make it not just modernized, but but intuitive and, and frictionless and delightful? Uh, but I'll tell you, the insights that came out of that work were just mind-blowing, like how long our attention spans last or uh, whether we can still read left to right in, in linear formats or whether, you you know, you couldn't just get insights and treat the, the book itself like an app that every chapter is its own, essentially its own experience. Uh, and that's why that one took for a, a really long time. In fact, it took so long and it was so hard and arduous that I missed five deadlines. Uh, I wanted to quit million times, and I think it's still a miracle that it, it ever made it to market. Actually, I had someone comment on a flight back from London to ask me what that was. <laughs> they were lo- looking over my shoulder. <laughs> in a good way. No, in a good way. Not, you know, what's wrong with you and reporting me to the stewardess. Um, they, were, they were fascinated by the way it was put together. Oh, well, that's, that's, uh, I, that makes me feel uh, like it was worth it. And, and uh, to be honest with you, I wanna, this book was sort of like, you know, how you have that one thing that you want to you lean on that for a long time. And so I'm, I'm also reluctant to, to rush into writing an, another book because this one I think is going to be uh, – I think this one is going to have legs. I mean the, the message of it and the one before it are, are – I, I kind of think they're timeless. I try to write books that don't date themselves. So, I, so I'm curious. We're talking about dating ourselves. Um, 
I don't know that you call yourself this as much, but a lot of others do when they're describing you. They call you a futurist, and that's become a an incredibly popular title um, in in the digital space today. But I'm I'm curious with you going back and reflecting, what what was one of your big misses? I, I can give you one of mine. In 2012, I said mobile wallets would fly off the shelves, that they would dominate the market, and I couldn't be more wrong in the U.S. So I'm curious if you had one that you looked at and said, yeah, that is going to absolutely fly off the shelf, and you missed. Uh, I, I try to be really, really, really careful with those things. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I think if anybody looked at my history, they'll, they'll say, wow, you know, this is a pretty interesting that he uh, he's nailed so many. But I'll tell you, the one that I got so wrong, uh, w- which isn't really about technology, it was about an acquisition. It was when Facebook tried to acquire Snapchat for $3 billion. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was quoted in the press as saying, I couldn't imagine another time in Snapchat's future where the, it will have the opportunity to cash out for $3 billion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I missed that one. You know, you're funny not- story. Uh, so uh, Ashton Kutcher was a business partner of mine right. back in the days of FutureWorks, and, and I helped him make his first startup investment. Well, you've done a good job. You know, it, it is pretty funny. We judge a book by its cover, which is funny saying this to, a, to an author, best-selling author. But we do that a lot with Ashton Kutcher, and he's a lot brighter and I think very intuitive, especially when it comes to tech and experience and, and how users will embrace a product. Well, he's, he's actually a, he's a sweetheart. He's also very smart. He's got very smart people around him, uh, and he's done his, his technology portfolio, I think, uh, I mean, he's he did really good with uh, with his his TV series lately, but his tech portfolio is pretty impressive. So we're we're down to the last minute. This is supposed to be a five minute interview, but you know, too bad. <laughs> That's the great thing about doing a podcast; you get to change the rules constantly. So the, what I typically do for the last minute is this rapid fire: um, throw a question out there right off the top of your head, um, you know, without thinking. Just give me a quick response. So let's give it a whirl, real quick. Where was that infamous picture of you with the monocle taken? There, there are many infamous monocle pictures. <laughs> there, there, so are you I, sober? I don't know which one you're talking about. <laughs> are you sober during those infamous monocle pictures? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes to protect the innocent. So, because you are such a good writer, who are some of your favorite authors right now and writers? Ah, oh, man. Well, you know, I, I. Ryan Holiday is a, is a dear friend of mine. He's also turned out to be someone whom uh, he would say that I would I, I would be his mentor. But I would say that uh, it's the roles are starting to shift. He's he's right now he's one of my favorite writers and thinkers. Well, there you go. I'm about to head out to Amazon and buy a book. It sounds like. Um, <laughs> well, Brian, I don't want to keep you in lovely L.A. at the W Hotel. Plus, your internet service will probably go, and they're going to hit you up for your credit card details. Where can we learn more about what you're up to and what you're doing? Well, I try to put everything at uh, briansolis.com or Twitter, which is at briansolis, or uh, LinkedIn. I think between those three things, you could get everything. Yeah, my, oh, my, my last comment, I had to say this. You joined Twitter in 2006, Twitter was founded in March 2006. Right there, folks, futurist. So, good job, Brian. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it, it doesn't hurt when your friends are the you know the guys that started that, or same with Travis and Uber. It just does. It's, it's, I live in interesting circles, and I and I learn from it all the time. Well, thanks. We really appreciate it, and thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you. 